0: Ghost Ship Radio Network, sail onward. What's up, folks? Welcome to episode 19 of the Adjacent Hex Podcast. My name is Zach, and finding some time in this busy schedule to join me as usual is Doug. And I think the first thing I have to do is say congratulations because... I am now a papa. You sure are. April 30th, my wife Jessie gave...
1: Birth to our first child, Jacqueline Ray, a healthy baby girl. Uh, six pounds, 13 ounces, uh, 19 inches long.
0: <laughs> baby hype! Baby hype. <laughs> Dude, that's so awesome.
1: Well, it's it's exciting. It's There's a lot of changes. In the last three months, I brought a new house. I got a new baby. Like, it's... There's a lot going on right now.
0: And I, you know, I, I sort of made it a point of uh, letting your family and stuff meet your daughter before I even, like... Yeah, our, we have
1: had um, the quite the revolving door Yeah, as far as relatives. Uh, so people don't know either. Uh, Jesse's family lives down in Atlanta or the suburbs thereof. And my family is from New York. So nobody is right down the street from us. So when people come, they are coming for a couple of days at a time. And we have just had family member after family member and sometimes a little bit of overlap between family members yeah uh everything's good everything's been helpful people have been helping us cook and clean my mother and sister came up a couple weekends ago and they were super helpful they even helped me do lawn work wow they helped mow the lawn i was able to get some weed whacking done clear out the area by the fire pit nice Uh, yeah yeah so they were they were incredibly helpful because i've got i've got a lot of land to mow. <laughs> yeah so your, your new house is rad nice. though like it was nice
0: so yeah. nice and yeah I, I literally i just met jacqueline for the first time yesterday um really i mean yeah. i was i was around yeah. while well, you guys were there at uh, uh our, our friend megan's son's birthday party but i was sick mm-hmm. as a dog and i was like i do not want to get these infants sick like that just seems like a terrible move Yeah. Well, and
1: she also not too many people got to see see her because we were outside, so she was kind of covered the whole time. And then Jesse went inside to feed and was Mm -hmm. in there for a while, so most people didn't get to see her. Yeah,
0: and it's also been really hot here in New Mm -hmm. Hampshire the last couple of days and last couple last week or so.
1: Yeah. What happened? We went from forty degrees and raining to ninety degree weather in about a five day span.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting here surrounded by literally like. Two powerhouse computers and two giant monitors and my studio lights, which are not on at the moment. But, uh, like, I was streaming last night and roasting, like, pouring sweat.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you're a New Hampshire native. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm originally from New York. But when I moved here about, it was about 10 years ago, I guess, um, another native said, if you don't like the weather in New Hampshire, wait 15 minutes. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I've I've never seen. I mean, it's so true. On April first, we had thirteen inches of snow. Yeah. And within a week, we had seventy degree weather. And then within a week, we had forty degree weather. Yep. <laughs> and now
0: it's just like my the the thermo- thermostat in my classroom hasn't. It, I I think it just at this point has given up. Given up. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like I don't know what to do with anymore. I'm done. You figure done. it
1: out. You figure it out. So two things though are one thing I'm not sure what it is. Um, Our
0: friend Eric would call it, and the thing.
1: <laughs> and thing. 40 degree weather and rain, and 90 degree weather, both are good board game weathers. Absolutely. So, uh, what have you been putting up to? Well... Nope. let me ask again. What have you been playing? Because those are real words.
0: Those are very different questions. Um, so yeah, I, I actually, for Christmas last year, although I bought it at Gen Con, I bought my friend Amanda a copy of Harry Potter Battle for Hogwarts. It's the deck building game. Okay. We've been sitting on it and sitting on it and sitting on it. Who, who and,
1: publishes that?
0: Uh, USAopoly, of all people. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah, we, we don't talk about their stuff a lot, and uh, now we no. finally get to. So I've we, we've just been waiting for a decent time to play that game to bust out that game and play it and now we've been doing you know periodic harry potter movie nights because i haven't i well i've seen most of them now but when we started them i hadn't seen them
1: oh you hadn't seen the harry potter
0: well i've read all the books a zillion times and to the point where i know most of them backward and forward and i didn't want to lose my perspective of the books but i am finding Mm. as many people have told me that the movies do do pretty well by the books
1: yeah the only book i read was the first one Mm -hmm. i read it in one night yeah yeah uh Honestly, I had a paper due on a Friday, mm-hmm. and I needed one more book to sort of flush out my argument, mm-hmm. and I was asking Tom, it was like a Tuesday or Wednesday night, and I was like, I need one more book to finish this paper, and he goes, kind of sounds like you need Harry Potter, so he <laughs> gave it to me, I read it that night, and then didn't use it.
0: Nice. Perfect.
1: <laughs> so, anyway, about this card game.
0: Um, so it's it's a fairly straightforward deck building game in the same vein as Star Realms or Dominion, or something like okay. that, with a Harry Potter theme, theme sort of smashed over it. We played the first mission, which is supposedly encompasses the first book. Um, is it cooperative? It is cooperative, which is okay. which makes it, it sets it apart from other deck building games. Um,
1: is it like is Thunderstone cooperative? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. But basically, yeah.
0: okay. the, as per usual, there are, there are two and three ish resources. Uh, you have your health, of course. Um, you have the your currency, which you can use to buy cards, and you have okay. your attack power, which you use to damage uh, a, a series of revolving enemies. Uh, and the okay. the idea is um, there's an event, a sort of a semi random event deck, which adds. I was referring to it as the Doom because that's what I recognize from the Lovecraft games that I that I've been obsessed with lately, um, okay. and it's just easy to sort of transfer over. If a location mm-hmm. becomes completely doomed, you move to the next location and the villains get slightly stronger. Um, okay. And basically you have to beat down the villains before they over- overwhelm the locations. And we won fairly handily, but we were all kind of learning the game. So we we're like, okay, this is a pretty good learning experience. We kind of know how to how to approach the game moving into the second book.
1: So is is there a quest, um, just for lack of a better
0: term, for each book? Um. Yeah. The 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 villain deck changes based on which book you're playing. Okay. Um. So in the first book, uh, we fought like Crabbe and Goyle, Malfoy, and Quirrell. Um. Which uh. That's the for those who don't know Harry Potter, that's like uh, Crabbe and Goyle and Malfoy are like Harry Potter's arch arch nemesis in within the school, and then Professor Quir- Quirrell is their Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher who was uh basically aiding and abetting the big bad over the course of the first book. It was, I mean, it was pretty easy to assign six damage to each card and, and just move forward. The problem was none of the decks really start out with any cards that can deal damage. so you have to find mm-hmm. them in, in the community purchase deck. Okay. And then of course, they have to come into your hand and then you have to play them. And it, it, it's not the easiest. Uh, and I, I can see moving forward as more, more villains get added and more let's, for the lack of better terms, say doomable locations, you know, mm-hmm. locations with less potential doom uh, come into play. I can see it getting harder very quickly. Uh, you're also Which adding, makes sense. yeah, and you're also adding cards to the draw deck that will change things fundamentally. So it's going to be a neat experience as we move forward. And it's not a legacy game in the same vein as Seafall or Pandemic Legacy, in mm-hmm. that you can, if you have a different group of players, you can totally play it again. It is 100% replayable, and you can dive into any one of the seven years, seven decks at any point. Decks 4 and 7 add new mechanics, so we're looking forward okay. to, to getting to that, and, uh, and we'll see where that goes.
1: Yeah, it sounds interesting. So right right now you're enjoying it. I mean, it sounds like you're ready to go back.
0: We absolutely so. are, and um, you, the expansion comes out, from what we understand, right around Gen Con, so I'll probably pick that up uh, for What Amanda. is the
1: expansion? More later books? Or um,
0: no, because the, the base game does go years 1 through 7. Um, which is all the book encompasses all the books. This one adds uh, it's the monster box of monsters it's called. Okay. Um, So it's, it's going to, I imagine
1: add a few more challenges.
0: uh, Yeah. I I imagine that's going to be the fantastic beasts and where to find them stuff Mm. because that Mm. takes place within the Harry Potter universe. But I don't right. know. We'll see, and I, I will definitely try my best to sit down and play a game of Gen Con before I pick it up. Yeah, cool. Sounds good. Yeah. Other games. Um, I revisited a couple of old favorites. We uh, took the st- my eighth grade students to Hershey Park in Pennsylvania, and we had a mm-hmm. uh, well, sixteen hours in a bus there. You know, between <laughs> between it's the long day. It, well, it was. I mean, eight hours there, eight hours back. Right. Um And I was like, all right, I need to bring some uh, just lighter fare board games that we can. Slam on the bus and, and not have to worry about, you know, making a mess and getting mm-hmm. all kinds of parts out. So I, I brought Cthulhu Flux, um, which the kids really seem to dig. Nice and easy. Yeah, it's super simple to teach. In fact, it teaches better if you just sit down and play it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there, there aren't a lot of rules,
0: right? Yeah. Uh, in fact, they're. It's really they... they're written on the card. Yeah. And yeah. it's the game where the rules change and. Uh, Different rules will come out of your hand, and you can change things to either help or hinder yourself or other players. Yeah, we've
1: got we've got a couple of Flux games. We have, I think, Monty Python and Eco Flux.
0: Yeah, I have, I, 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 and I think it's worth having a couple of different versions of Flux on your shelf because it's super cheap, and it's the game plays basically the same depending on which one you buy. I think I have uh, Cthulhu Flux and Batman Flux, mm-hmm. and I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, it seems fine. Like, it's it doesn't take up any space on the table. It's Although once we got we did a we did a five player game once we got to the cabins we were staying in and that did take up a little bit of space we didn't even finish that one <laughs> it just it got overwhelming and uh, somehow or another we managed to mitigate losing we we almost lost to Cthulhu because one of my students was like oh I'm just gonna do us all. and I'm like ah, no you're not
1: <laughs> I had one of those like interrupt the
0: game <laughs> yeah interrupt any times I'm like nope nope you're not playing that on goal sorry. And then so that got discarded, and we were like, "Well, okay, now what?" And the uh, my boss comes in, who was, he was also on the trip with us, and he's like, "Okay, we need to we need to call this game. It's time to get on the bus and go home." Mm. So, uh, so we yeah we played that, and then uh, we played uh, Space Hulk Death Angel, which is the Warhammer forty thousand card game that was produced by Fantasy Flight for quite a while. Uh, I talked about mm. it in, on one of the early episodes of the podcast.
1: I may have played that one. Yeah, is you that did. the one uh, with with mm owned? Mm-hmm. It's a co-op? Yep. Yeah, that's a fun game.
0: It really is. Uh, for those who aren't uh, aware of it, it's, it's... hard, though. Huh? It's hard. It is hard. Uh, I, I played that with some... Uh, well, I played it with my students, and, and we lost handily, but I played, mm. played it with uh, some people at Board Game Day this past month, and uh, we had a good time. We, we got all the way through it. We got very lucky. got some really high dice rolls on Kyle's part, um, and uh, just wiped out a bunch of Tyranids moving through. Basically, you... You have a a line of space marines, a column, and they have a specific facing. They can face either left or right. And then uh, Tyranid aliens spawn on either side of them, and they have to blast the holy bejeebus out of... It's like
1: practically a tower defense, right? Yeah, it's... You're trying to keep your base alive as aliens come in.
0: Yeah, exactly. And uh, as you... The more aliens you kill, the more locations you reveal, and you basically try to move through this derelict space hulk... Um, mm-hmm. And try and save the day because that's apparently what Space Marines do. I don't know. I don't play 40k. Yeah, I
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, I only got to play it once. Really enjoyed it. It was really challenging. Yes. We did end up winning, but it was, I mean, by the skin of our teeth.
0: Yeah. Really. And it, you know, there's there's it's one of those games that there's, there's a bunch of exp- uh, print on demand expansions for, uh, mm-hmm. and I. Mm-hmm don't think I've ever played with I have them all. I don't think I've ever played with any of them. There's enough replayability in the base game that it just doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, that happens sometimes. Not a bad problem to have.
0: No, but... not at all. It was good.
1: <laughs> Too much replayability in your base game? <laughs> I've never heard anyone complain about that. Yeah,
0: no, I mean, it's a one-time investment. I think I think I picked it up at Borders when Borders was going out of business. And I think I got oh, it for like know, 75% it. off or something like that. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I paid maybe $15 for it. Or less.
1: You know, I didn't even think to when Borders was going out of business to go look at their board game selection. Yeah, I blanked on the word. Um, <laughs> yeah, that would have been a good idea. So, well, it was
0: really it was kind of before I got into the hobby, and mm. my my best friend Travis and I were just poking around. He he was home for like one day, and we were waiting mm-hmm. for uh we we had movie tickets, so we we're like, all right, well, let's just go to Borders and see what's see what they've got. And I just happened upon that, and at the time, I was really into like the forty k lore and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I was reading a bunch of books, and I was like, oh, this looks kind of cool, and it's 75% off. I'm just going to grab it. Yeah, it's a good grab. Yeah, we spent the evening learning how to play it, and for, for I've geez. been teaching people for years how to play it. It's really <laughs> simple and cheap and gets the job done, so.
1: Yeah, it was it was fun. It was, I remember that game.
0: Yeah. It was a good time. What about you? What, <laughs> uh, what games have you been jamming lately?
1: So I got to play, I remember last episode I talked about a little dice game Anthony had gotten me as a housewarming gift, or... Jesse and I, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, Dragon Slayer, and we'd played with two players. That's the game where you. It's a little press your luck game. Mm-hmm. It takes like 10 minutes to play. Yep, yep. Uh, but I got to play with four players.
0: Oh, good. You were saying you wanted to do that. How'd that go?
1: It's fun because everybody has a token that allows you to challenge another hero. Mm-hmm. And then, depending on whether or not they accept that challenge, they can lose points but if they accept it and complete the quest they like get double points so Mm -hmm. you kind of have to be careful when you use it and you always get some sort of points Mm -hmm. um and in a two player game it's pretty straightforward when you use it but in a four player game you held onto your token a little bit and kind of used it a little more strategically uh so i mean it's still not a strategic in-depth game it's a fun little press your luck game but it was it was interesting to get to use that token and just see how the dynamic of that one little mechanic mechanic, uh, changed. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Again, just if you need a 15-minute game to kill time, I'd still recommend.
0: Right on. So. That's good to hear. I- I'm glad to hear that it, uh, it plays well with two players as well as with four.
1: Yeah, I'm, I think I'd even prefer it with three or four players okay uh, i think it goes up to five
0: okay but yeah two
1: three four it's fun quick little game i mean it's not the type of game you hang your head on yeah you don't right. <laughs> right it's like it's not the gem of anyone's collection but it's a lot of fun so i'm glad to hear that other games i played uh okay well let's get into it so you and i oh yeah that's one we played so our buddy Corey turned 30
0: mm-hmm. yep
1: a while back
0: happy belated and birthday Corey.
1: Happy belated, Corey. You and I played in what was, for me at least, the largest game of telestrations that I've ever been in.
0: Yeah, um, it was a pretty big group of people.
1: Yeah, it expanded two rooms. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and I think there was, you know, someone was playing uh, Mario Kart during it too. So it was like yeah, yeah, it double was, Q. It was
1: quite a bit. Yeah, we had certain people who had to leave the room and pass it and come back.
0: And, mm-hmm. um, I was one of those people.
1: Yeah, I was on the other end. Somebody came into the room to give me a book.
0: Yeah, uh, well, I think, I think by the end of it, Chad was just playing Pack Rat in both directions. So <laughs> neither one of us well, had to move, but...
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, tell us, we've talked about Telestrations yeah. before. Uh, it's just a fun, interesting game. But we didn't even bother to score. Yeah. Like, everybody kind of flipped through their books, shared the funny stuff, and I, I, did, I missed half of them. I don't know. I, yeah. You know, it was a birthday party. There were, there were beverages and food. There sure were. We were having fun with it, but I've never played a game. What were there, like 13, 14, 15 people?
0: I, I, I want to say 15, but I'm not 100% certain on that. It was a large group.
1: It was a large group. It, it took us a while to get our books back.
0: Yeah. In fact, I don't so... think we did get our books all the way back. Or did we? Maybe mine. we did.
1: I got mine. Some people didn't get theirs. Something happened. Some mix-ups, I guess.
0: Sounds about right.
1: But I got mine back.
0: What occurred to us, though, is that if you have a Pictionary set, or even just the internet, you don't really need Telestrations, the, you know, the box set of Telestrations, to play Telestrations.
1: Oh, not at all. You yeah. can
0: kind of, like, if you just took a piece of paper, folded it up a couple times, and, like, stapled it, you could create a flipbook and just doodle on scrap paper.
1: Yeah, just that in a pencil or a pen. Yeah. It's really all you need.
0: And that got us thinking, like, what sort of gaming aids do we use in different scenarios and why? So the first one that came to my mind and one of the games that I've been playing a bunch of in the last couple months was Secrets of the Lost 2. Uh, I think I've mentioned it a couple of times on the show. It's kind of like Arkham Horror in that you're, you know, you're exploring a, a map and finding artifacts and killing monsters and responding to random events and making dice checks and things like that. And... L- we Alex and I realized that it it requires it almost requires a couple of different gaming aids for us. We would not think of playing that game or Arkham Horror for that matter without the aid of a dice tray, because you are rolling. Oftentimes, I think the character I was playing last time rolled like sixteen die or sixteen <laughs> dice every single time he attacked, and to try and roll those on a table, first of all, it's making an inordinate amount of noise, and second of all. Half the dice end up cockeyed, and half of them are, you know, you get jostled around as you try and throw them down on the table. So you, you, you'll either move something away from, have, from being successful or move something that wasn't successful to a success. So we always employ the aid of a dice tray, as well as miniatures to represent the characters, because let's face it, cardboard standees are boring.
1: Yeah, I prefer miniatures.
0: Yeah, and in fact, uh, Alex and I just started a project where we're going to systematically paint all the Arkham Horror and uh, Secrets of the Lost Two minis. Uh, which is going to just take us quite a while. We're only two miniatures in. We're basically trying to hammer out one every week, and there's at okay. least twenty something for Arkham, and probably fifteen or so for Secrets. But they just they make the game look and feel a little bit more exciting. Mm. And the other thing we always employ is a tackle box of all things. Now I've seen tackle boxes used for like painting kits for miniatures mm-hmm. games, and 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 uh, sometimes you carry a, a few dice in one. But we bought tackle boxes for both Arkham Horror and Secrets of the Lost Tomb, and they serve as much better organizational trays than the ones that are provided A, in the box, or B, you know through a company like Broken Token. Uh, yes, it does make for one extra thing to carry every time you're trying to bring the game to the table, as does the dice tray, but the organization that it provides just makes for that much better a gaming experience.
1: Comments on both of those, uh, or two of those at least. The tackle box, I haven't done that yet, but Corey and Jess are, I've mentioned it on the show too, major Descent fans. Mm-hmm, yep. They love everything Descent. Uh, and when they came over and we played it, they had everything organized in tackle boxes and then little like tuckaway boxes too. Mm-hmm. So you could keep your character in a little separate box. Yeah. Which I thought was a really was a really good idea. And then uh, as far as dice trays, I don't have a dice tray, but I have a dice tower.
0: Yeah, and it serves the same purpose, basically.
1: Yeah, same idea. Especially, I got it because I was playing Defenders of the Realm, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of a big board, and I didn't have a big table. Right, right. And I didn't have a lot of room. You're not chucking a ton of dice, but I didn't have a lot of room. And you would roll dice, and you could hit cards, you could hit minis and knock them all over the place, and and where they are does kind of matter. So uh, the dice tower was a way to just like kind of chuck them in there and keep it contained uh, without risk of or fear of wrecking the rest of your game.
0: And it really, um, it depends on what sort of game you're playing. Like if I'm playing a game where there's like five, six, seven dice, a dice tower does the job perfectly fine. Whereas if I'm dumping 16 or 18 dice all at once, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you really want the dice tray. And, you know, that brings into the question, you know, do you, do you buy additional dice? For Arkham Horror, I did. The game comes with five white with black pips standard D6.
1: Okay. You got something a little more exciting?
0: Fantasy Flight makes a set of... They, they do it in both green and... Uh, sorry, black with green and uh, white with black, or like a bone with black. Uh okay. Dice that are just your standard Arkham Horror dice. They come five to a pack. Okay. Five dice is just not enough. Most times in Arkham Horror, you're rolling nine at least. Oh, wow. And so I bought, I ended up buying three sets. Alex did as well. And then I bought, uh, they make a blue set and a red set as well, which represent blessed and cursed dice, respectively. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they're specifically labeled with elder signs indicating success. Secrets of the Lost Tomb does a similar thing. They have custom D12s, I want to say, where fives and sixes are indicated as success, uh, which make for easier times identifying a success with a large pool of dice. Mm. Mansions of Madness 2nd edition does a, a similar thing with their dice. They're, sorry, I'm looking at them right at the moment. I believe they're D8s uh, okay. with elder signs indicating success and uh, blank sides indicating nothing and a magnifying glass indicating a partial success. And having those custom dice, while not necessary by any means, uh, we've played plenty of games of Arkham Horror where we just grab a brick of dice from the store, mm-hmm. it just adds a little bit more immersion. I think to, mm. to the game experience.
1: I think the same could be said for like the miniatures too, right? Arkham Horror doesn't originally come with miniatures, correct? But then you can buy them.
0: You can buy them, you know, one at a time, pre-painted. They look t- eh, not so not so great. <laughs> um, or you can buy the one, buy a copy of Mansions of Madness, which Alex and I both did.
1: Same characters. Same
0: characters, slightly higher quality models, unpainted. And so we've just, we primed them black. And once, uh, every Wednesday, we're just hammering through painting one of them. We did Dexter Drake the first week, and he came out fantastic. I'll uh, try and throw a picture of him in the show notes. And uh, we did the researcher the second week. She's not quite done yet. She's got a little bit more detail than we expected, so we're... Alex is just finishing her up this week, and then next week we're doing uh, the 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 nun, who is okay. very low detail. And it's it's it just you're right. It it adds just a little bit more depth of feeling. A lot of games and a lot of uh, materials that gamers use, we use, do that. But there are other reasons to have gaming aids as well.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you mention like just kind of those things that add to the game but you don't really need it yep i had something similar recently with a much smaller game than arkham horror in fact a game that takes about three to five minutes to
0: play see i've always wondered if that was a- an option for smaller games so i'm interested yeah. to hear this well uh i've mentioned this game
1: before a couple times actually uh ludicreation steal this game
0: is that the one that came out because of something bad they that got happened? their
1: money stolen at Essen. Yeah, Yeah. so it was a $5, it was more of a save the company, mm-hmm. um, but the game came, and I got it, and so uh, it's just on a postcard, the rules are on a postcard, mm-hmm. it says you need to grab some dice, or a die, I think you need to add one die, so it doesn't come with the game, you do have to add it. it sure, but anybody who
0: has a copy of Monopoly has a die. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's just a standard die, yeah. but what was interesting is there are five game pieces. And you're supposed to sort of tear them off the last page of the postcard. Huh. So you, you break it down. It's got, it's perforated and all that. Okay. And you, so you, you punch them out and you make the game. And I realized instead of doing that, sort of c- to maintain the integrity of the the game itself. And also I was really nervous about sort of tearing an edge of one of the pieces because uh it is a deduction game so essentially you've got four cases down three of them are decoys one of them's the real money and the thief is trying to find the real money and the decoy is trying to catch the thief
0: okay so you want Um, the the pieces to effectively look uniform then
1: right And, and i realized uh why not just use a deck of cards I oh, had yeah. a dozen of those sitting around the house. I went over, cracked open a pack of cards, pulled out uh, five so that I had the the three, the three, four cases and then the cashier, okay. which is sort of a defensive piece. And I just used the deck of cards. Okay. I, I have the game. I played the game. But I didn't bother to sort of take it apart the way it was intended. So I sort of supplemented those pieces with these cards. It's not exactly the same um, because you know Arkham Horror we're talking more adding to the game mm-hmm. through these unnecessary minis or making things easier with the dice tray and that type of stuff and yeah. this was more just about preserving the game but it was it was one of those things where i just like grabbed extra outside components and and just went right into it but it worked really well worked perfectly okay i want to get into this <laughs>
0: Are you a Game of Thrones fan? I love Game of Thrones. At least I love the TV show. I haven't okay. read the books because reasons. Mostly because I dove in on the TV show and then someone said, oh, it's completely different. And I was like, okay, just going to watch the TV show. <laughs> so it's almost the opposite of your Harry Potter experience. Uh, Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> okay. Which I feel uh, kind of like so a, a I... hypocrite about, but that's, that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's something we can yeah. talk about on our, uh, on our yeah. other <laughs> <laughs> podcast. North Why North. Zach doesn't read certain things.
1: Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Game of Thrones, I don't watch the TV show, mm-hmm. I don't read the books, but I do own the board game.
0: I also own the board game, although I've never actually played it. I bought it for Katie a number of years ago, and we just mm. haven't played
1: well, it. Well, oh, okay. So, you know how Dominion says uh, ruining friendship since 1950-whatever? Yes. Or whatever it says. Yes. I'm not going to say who we played with, uh, <laughs> out of respect to them, uh, but Game of Thrones should almost caused the divorce oh the no I played. it was well it's just it's a very in-your-face type of game mm-hmm. to begin with so essentially obviously it's game of thrones mm-hmm. it's an in-your-face type of game and then when you get in combat all the houses have these different cards that do different things mm-hmm. and they can be really frustrating when you're fighting against them what ended up happening was somebody was kind of pushing north, somebody else was kind of pushing south, and they were coming to a head, and had there been an extra turn in the game, Mm -hmm. the person moving north had decided to stop doing that and kind of swing their forces back south, but the person moving south went ahead and attacked them. So if they had waited one more turn, that space would have been empty, and they wouldn't have had to essentially kill the other person's army so that got somebody really frustrating now i understand why it happened because game of thrones isn't like a risk game right right you play until somebody wins you play until somebody controls seven castles or you've played 10 rounds Whichever comes first. So it has
0: a a restriction on it, basically.
1: It has a restriction. So there's not necessarily time to wait for somebody to get out of your way. Like, there might be times when that's the good move. Right. There might also be times where that extra turn can really bog you down. It was... um An interesting game. It was a lot of fun. It lasts like three hours. It's a long game. Mm -hmm. Of course, Jesse the monster won.
0: Naturally. I mean, that's that's just the way in Game of Thrones. The monster always wins.
1: Absolutely. Well, I got (laughs) two people came really close to winning. Mm -hmm. So the other two of us kind of joined forces temporarily. Ah. And what ended up happening to me was I was in a position where I couldn't win right away, mm-hmm. but I was an, I was able to stop two other people from winning on the next turn. Nice. And so I did that and extended the game another two, three rounds, mm-hmm. but the retaliation was brutal. <laughs> so, I mean, it's game. Everybody killed me after that, and I, I got to say, uh, 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 curse your sudden, but inevitable Never will be trail.
0: betrayal. Nice.
1: Uh, it definitely applied. You knew it was coming. Yeah. But uh, it was a great game. I really... That's only the second time I played it. So the first time I played it was a year ago, two Mm -hmm. years ago. So when I was getting ready to play this time, I went online. And the first time, I I read the rules. This time, I went online and watched a how-to-play video. Okay. uh, Which which is another useful tool uh, that I use all the time to supplement my game. So I thought, like just kind of use that. But I watched it and I realized there were rules I remembered Mm -hmm. that weren't covered in the how to play video. So fair warning, if you watch the Game of Thrones how to play video, it only covers about 90% of the rules.
0: Ah, so it's picky little details. It's even made
1: by Fantasy Flight, Okay, but, but there are certain interactions and certain things that happen that the how to play video just does not cover so you really still need to skim through it and then there's a few specifics for example on your turn you place all your tokens down everybody does that and then everybody flips and then you resolve turns depending Mm -hmm. on where you are on this track but there's little player sheets they give you they rest in front of you little screens and they tell you what things can do also but also don't have all of the little intricate details (laughs) So what happened is I played this game. At one point, you can raid. And what a raid ability does is lets you take away something from someone else in a neighboring zone. Mm -hmm. But it's restricted. And then you can earn special powers in the game. And if you use the special raid token, that gives you a little more you can do. Well, before the game started, I made sure to say quite clearly two or three times... I specifically pointed out, this is what the tokens do, because I knew it was going to come up. Mm-hmm. Well, two and a half hours later, I used a special power, and the person on whom I used it said, Oh, you never told us that rule. <laughs> like, I know I told you that rule.
0: <laughs> you should, like, write it down <laughs> it next happens. time. <laughs> Notebook. Well, new gamer so speaking tool. Speaking
1: of writing it down, so I went online on BoardGameGeek and downloaded a how-to-play guide. And at the end of that How to Play guide, there are double-sided page handouts for everyone that has all of those little rules written down. Okay. So the next time I play, because it plays three to six players, mm-hmm. everybody can have their own copy of all of those rules right in front of them for the whole game.
0: Alex and I did a similar thing with, we did it for both Arkham and... And secrets. We sort of cannibalized bits and pieces of both the FAQ and the uh, included, you know, quick play guides, and just sort of fabricated our own PDF that we've distributed to our regular players. Taking the time out to find little rule summaries and how-to plays is a tremendous tool. And I, I, I'll be honest, I don't use it enough. We live in a world where uh, the internet is basically a giant resource, yeah. especially for board gaming. Uh, board Game Geek alone has piles and piles of video demonstrations and how-to guides and Mm fan-created supplements that if even if you don't have the time to create your own guide it's pretty available you can find some sort of guide for pretty well pretty near any game that you might want to play
1: yeah well you say you don't use those much but i use those all the time um, one of my favorite game, you know, Kemet? Yes, of course. I got a rule summary, mm-hmm. like one page rule summary that I printed out just so people can see it. Mm-hmm. And also all the little tiles that you purchase in Kemet, all your powers. Mm-hmm. There's a book that tells you what they all mean until you learn the symbolism. And I printed out an extra copy that I had just grabbed off a board game geek. Another thing, uh so another game I've been playing recently, Zombie Side yep. Black Plague. So I got that game. Yeah, Jesse Jesse scooped that. So this is a game, Zombie Side Black Plague. It's my first cool mini or not game. Mm-hmm. I've been on the fence for a long time. I've always been interested, at least, you know, like the original Zombie Side I was interested in. and I heard it had some problems and I was like, "Okay." And then they came out with Zombie Side 2 and I heard they fixed those problems and I'm like, "Okay." Then they came out with Zombicide Black Plague, Mm -hmm. which is which is a zombie game, but instead of taking place in the mall and in the school and in the police station like most of the zombie games do, it takes place in the Middle Ages. Huh. Okay. With a fantasy theme, there are elves and there are dwarves and they're casting spells and there's wizards and all these. Different monsters and stuff. So I was kind of interested in Black Plague, and I saw the original Kickstarter. I didn't back it. Mm-hmm. Then it kept getting more buzz and more buzz, and it shot up. It is now 97th on uh, Board Game
0: Geek. So top 100, cracked the top 100. Yeah. Nice. And
1: then Tom. You know my buddy Tom. Of course. Bought a copy. He was really enjoying it. When we were at PAX, I saw a demo. Mm-hmm. It looked super easy to teach. I was talking about it. I was talking about it. And Jesse went ahead and, and bought it for me for my birthday. Nice. Um, yeah. And, and we've been loving it. I know it's probably not for everybody. But it's also, if you just want to fill a board with minis and Mo zombies down, it is i can't get enough of it actually i there's another kickstarter for green horde which is a standalone expansion for it yep online right now i've already backed that and the expansion for it so i'm getting all those kickstarter exclusives mm-hmm. and stuff um my wallet is taking quite a hit <laughs> uh,
0: but isn't that always the way like i feel like we're always talking about one of our wallets getting hit really hard
1: it is tough but it's i'm enjoying it so much i when i read complaints and stuff about it I get them. There's some luck. It's dice chasing. But the games we've been playing, we've had interesting decisions to make. We've had a, a ton of fun. And it's kind of... Some people call it a beer and pretzels game. Mm-hmm. I would probably call it a cheese and crackers and wine game oh right on Cause it's still it's still it's not heavier and thinky like uh like a url it's it's not like that mm-hmm. but it's also not a game on which i've been able to just kind of turn my brain off and right. do you, you have to make decisions they're often difficult tons of fun though well we've been loving it going back to the printouts online <laughs> The characters have unique abilities. Uh huh. All right. And you level them up in game. And so some of them are very easy. It'll say, like, ranged combat plus Uh one die. Okay. I get that. When you do a ranged attack, you roll an extra die. Very simple. But there are some of them, like Ironhide or Swordmaster. They're a little more vague. I found, especially our first couple playthroughs, we're going into the back of the book Uh and looking up in their index all the time and I was still using the back of the book as sort of the guide on how to play. And it was kind of the books getting passed around and I don't want to get it beat up too much because the quests are in there and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. But, Gotta be so careful. I go online and uh, on Board Game Geek, somebody has typed up, at least for original Black Plague, not necessarily the, uh, the new stuff that's mm-hmm. out, but somebody has typed up all the non-obvious character traits and put them on one page.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So
1: I downloaded it, printed it out, and the next time we were playing, instead of passing the rule book around, we were just passing that one sheet of paper, and it just saved so much time, and it was it was great. Also, I went on Zombyside.com, mm-hmm. and we were talking about extra missions and stuff for the Harry Potter, and I was wondering, Zombicide has a bunch of online quests they're all free and they have like two mini campaigns Uh and it's all completely supplemental doesn't come with the game but you can go online download those print them out or not just run the game all sorts of great stuff there See, that's i I use that online that online stuff all the time
0: and it's important to check too because i mean even games you wouldn't expect to have content like that Mm-hmm. We'll surprise you from time to time. Uh, Alex and I have been playing our, we've been slacking lately, but we've been trying to do our Gears of War stream from time to time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, one of the games we want to play at some point is the Gears of War board game. Once I get my uh, overhead camera mounted over my table and Alex always, if he has the option, plays as Dizzy, his character is Dizzy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh man, I really wish I could play the Gears of War board game as Dizzy. And as luck would have it, I popped on the internet, popped on Board Game Geek and someone's made Dizzy as a character. <laughs> Is it balanced? Just a I creation. don't know, but we uh, Eric and I have this buddy who works at a print shop who will print cards for us. Uh, uh, so he's done all the Sentinels of the Multiverse promos for us, and he's done mm-hmm. um, Firefly stuff that we don't have. Uh, he actually he even did a custom Firefly card that our friend Joff used to pr- propose to Megan, uh, which was really cool. So he's got the PDFs now, and we're just we're just waiting on our new Gears of War characters. Um, but it it all comes down to diligence on the part of the play community. And we talked about this, I think it was even last month, the community that, that plays these games that most of whom you're never going to meet or never going to interact with at all can be a huge, huge resource.
1: Yeah. Well, here's an interesting thing. So I have on my list 10 candles, mm-hmm. which I've mentioned on this show before. I haven't played it yet, uh-huh. but you made a comment earlier how almost any game you go online, you can find some sort of
0: resource. Yeah, absolutely. So.
1: 10 candles has about 75 pages of rules it's in that range it's and they're not bad rules they read easily some of them are a bit repetitious just to sort of nail things home there are examples huh you know for first time gm type people yep so i went online though and thought maybe somebody has has done like a chemit that one page sheet of rules uh-huh. like a ten candles version of that a shorter condensed version of the rules i checked board game geek i checked rpg geek does not exist
0: yeah there's like it's i'm looking at rpg geek right now yeah there's it's not there there's nothing there, there's yeah. stone nothing
1: so i went and i made my own And I turned 75 pages of rules to about 8 pages of rules. Oh, that's not bad. No, it might still seem a little long, but 5 or 6 of which are really walking people through character creation at the beginning of the game.
0: So that's useful to, I mean, having played a number of RPGs at this point, that is an incredibly useful thing. Yeah. Because, I mean, character creation, like, you want to come as close as you can to what you have in mind for the character in the first place. Mm -hmm. And the more, the easier the GM can make it, the closer you can come to
1: 10 candles. You light these candles as you go and you light three now, work out a section, write three now, work through a section. You're essentially creating characters and giving some of them time to burn down because if they burn down later, it ends the scene and shortens the game. So it kind of creates that clock and that sense of urgency in the game. But even, even my seven or eight page document is probably still a little too long. And want to get even more familiar, mm-hmm. I like, might trim down. Because I included a couple of examples, too, that people might want. But as I internalize it, I could probably get it down to maybe four or five pages. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is I then thought maybe I'll toss that up on BGG and RPGG so other people could do it. But I haven't done that because I'm worried it's almost too comprehensive <laughs> like you're gonna lose the examples and maybe a first-time gm it wouldn't be useful and uh, you you'd be missing a lot of the material obviously if you condense 75 pages to eight mm-hmm. and you wouldn't have there, there's a ton of scenarios maybe like 60 different uh scenarios that they give you you could make your own scenarios and if you're a familiar enough gm i think there's enough there that you could play the game without buying the game and i didn't want to take the sales away from the 10 candles people because they're only selling it for 10 bucks it's a 10 dollar game for the pdf Mm -hmm. you know so it's cheap enough but i i still thought i'm looking it over and i thought if i put this online people are going to be able to play this game for free yeah uh, right. So I didn't.
0: <laughs> and, you know, I guess that's something we have to be cognizant of because if there's a game we like, we obviously want it to mm-hmm. continue to be, you know, produced and upgraded and distributed in, in one way or the other. So as we're creating these guides we, and, and supplemental materials, we have to make sure that it's not, you know, interfering on any level with, with what's being produced.
1: Yeah. I mean, just as a courtesy, I mean, but they don't they don't usually... Right, like a Kemet summary, you couldn't play Kemet. Right, um, a Black Plague summary, you couldn't play Black Plague. Game of Thrones, you know what I mean? Yeah. But 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 an RPG, Ten Candles, just these barebone rules mm-hmm. would probably be enough for somebody to because that's the whole idea of the document is that I can sit down and run a game without the rulebook.
0: So here's a question for you then: Is the takeaway that maybe the d- the designers of the games should be producing more of these? So um little like how to mini how to guides or should we continue to leave it to the players?
1: Well, I don't know. I think either or is fine mm-hmm. because it will get made. Mm-hmm. The board gaming community, I think, is devoted enough to sit down and do like do what I did. Take a 75 page thing, make a quick guide.
0: Well, considering that the, the board game community is willing to make things like additional maps for, I don't know, Sentinel Tactics or... Um, right. Or right. A, their own
1: quests for zombie side, that type of stuff. Yeah.
0: Shit. Or yeah. like even, you know, people who are more influential in the, in the community. I don't know. Eric Summer, for example, doing the Dead of Winter app. Now, obviously, he was paid for that by the company, but like it takes a certain level of devotion and, and attachment to a game to make supplemental materials like that—not the least a bit of which, you know, suggesting, as we do from time to time on the on the show, use the Sidekick app when, app when you're playing Sentinels of the Multiverse, use the Blood Bowl mm-hmm. app uh, when you're playing mm-hmm. Blood Bowl, and and soundtracks and things like that. You kind of have to try things sometimes.
1: Well, and and then some like Zombie Side right on the back of the rules, and a lot of other games do this as well. You know, I have a T-shirt. For Sentinels in the Multiverse yes. that tells me how to play.
0: Play yeah. Power Draw. And anytime I'm demoing that, like, unless I'm working at the booth and we have you know, we have to wear like our Oblivion shirts, for example. Right. Um right. I, I, I will wear my Play Power Draw shirt over I think pretty much any of my other citizen shirts because mm-hmm. it it the game is right it there. It shows you how to, play. It shows yeah. you how to yeah. play. So
1: so I mean a lot of a lot of companies do are already doing this stuff. Yeah. So I just I I think as long as, as you're not stepping on the company's toes too much like for example i think if i released that 10 candles document that'd be a little too much yeah but you know as long as you still need the game to play i'm comfortable either way and sometimes companies will put one out but fans will come out and do their own version
0: yeah well i mean cards against Um, humanity has been spun off i mean cards against humanity in itself is a spin-off of apples to apples and then mm -hmm. uh crabs adjust humidity i think it's called it's like an unexp- uh, unsanctioned fan expansion that's okay. selling like gangbusters, apparently, according to okay. my friend who work at Jetpack Comics. It's, it's interesting to see how f- eventually, you know, fan expansions and fan content does be- eventually become part of... Uh, what's commercially available uh, and i think yeah, that's probably can. a topic it for can. another day yeah um, we can probably go deep on that i know there's at least one uh fan package for uh, sentinels of the multiverse i know there's several like power packs and stuff like that for mm-hmm. sentinel tactics i know there's additional content i mean i just mentioned additional content for gears of war i, I think we can go on for quite a while about that yeah yeah um, probably but we prob- probably ought to play some of it first <laughs>
1: well i mean there's there's all sorts of stuff like that i mean as long as it makes your game better you don't need a lot of this stuff like we mentioned the card holders for sentiners the multiverse Mm -hmm. you don't need the sidekick you don't need the play mats i mean i use a play mat when i play ashes yep um not ashes related but just so their cards are easier to pick up but i don't need that more superfluous stuff like soundtracks the game a touch of evil yeah uh from flying frog comes with a cd that's like 45 music and just kind of like 45 minutes of just atmospheric music and
0: uh laser riders is going to do the same thing which i'm really excited about I, uh, it's composed by a friend of ours uh
1: tabletop audio you can go on and they just you know they do 10 minute segments of music yeah they're all free you can just play them as background if you want some atmosphere you don't need any of that but it adds to the experience it makes it more fun sometimes
0: yeah and i, th- I think that's really what it comes down to is if you feel that it adds to your experience go for it because chances are the people yeah. you're playing with will agree
1: yeah or makes your game easier to play <laughs>
0: <laughs> either, either easier to play or more interesting either way yeah
1: i use them i use
0: them well, i think if that just about does it for uh our first you know glance at some of the player aids and player supplement materials that uh, we use and we'll definitely, I'm sure we'll be revisiting this topic because it's it's quite interesting and I think we just scratched the surface. But for now, if you want to check out some of the older episodes of the podcast, head on over to ghostshipradio.com. To see some of our other work, facebook.com forward slash another letdown is the place to be for that. Adjacent Hex is published monthly by Ghost Ship Radio and is produced by Another Letdown Media. If you have some feedback for us, you can reach us on Twitter. My name is at D-E-N-O-N-C-Z-D, and Doug is at I-T-S-O-K-T-O-L-A-F-F, and our hashtag is hashtag adjacenthex. If you liked what you hear, make sure to subscribe and share with your friends on social media and in person. If you have something a little bit longer to say to us, feel free to send us an email at theadjacenthex at gmail.com. And... We also occasionally stream games live, both on the Another Letdown Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash another letdown, and I'm live every single Saturday on twitch.tv forward slash Games. From all of us here at Adjacent Hex, happy gaming, and we will talk to you next month.
1: The one thing that some people consider supplemental, but I know Jesse considers absolutely necessary, metal coins. <laughs>
0: This show is part of the Ghost Ship Radio Network. For more information, go to ghostshipradio.com.